0: Some words from the prophet Isaiah. In the days to come, the mountains of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and shall be raised above the hills, and all the nations shall stream to it. People shall come and say, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and arbitrate for many peoples they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks nation shall not lift up sword against nation neither will they learn war anymore we're going to join together in a prayer that will appear on screen after we have shared in that prayer we will hear the last post played and we will stand as the last post is played if we are able to. During the two-minute silence, the names from our war memorials will appear on the screen one by one. These are the men who went from this church and from the Port Dundas and Partick Mission churches to serve in World War I and World War II. <laughs> At the end of the two-minute silence, when a picture of some poppies appears on screen, then please sit down and the choir will lead us in a reflection. We are in the presence of God. We commit ourselves to work in penitence and faith for reconciliation between the nations that all people may, together live in freedom justice and peace we pray for all who in bereavement disability and pain continue to suffer the consequences of fighting and terror we remember with thanksgiving and sorrow those whose lives in world wars and conflicts past and present have been given and taken away
2: My readings today are from Joel, Micah, and Matthew. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare war. Stir up the warriors. Let all the soldiers draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weakling say, I am a warrior. Come quickly, all you nations all around. Gather yourselves there. And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples, and shall arbitrate between strong nations far away. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks." Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more, but they shall all sit under their own vines and under their own fig trees, and no one shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all the peoples walk, each in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our our God forever and ever. You've... You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven, and he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles know the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect.
0: You're not getting a sermon today. I'm just going to share some reflections with you. And I'd like to pretend they were all ones I created for this year, but they're not Sadly, some stuff I worked with five years ago is as relevant today as it was then. The members of Barrow Baptist Church serve as an example to us of how complicated it is when we start to work with questions around issues of defence. And actually, they're no less complicated for people living in the west of Scotland than they are for people living in the northwest of England I don't know about you, but seeing that picture of the BAE submarine building, building, building in which they build submarines, reminded me very much of the BAE building on the Clyde just down the road. It's actually an issue that is just as live, to some degree, on our doorstep. And committed Christians who happily worship and serve together week by week can have very different, even diametrically opposed views on defence issues. We have people in our church who work in defence. I, for a number of years, worked in defence. We have people in our church who deliberately choose to take a stand of pacifism, eschewing all those defence things. And yet, by God's grace, we hold together. And that's part of what I love about our church. And these are real issues. I've, I've been to Barrow. It's a very deprived and depressed kind of a town. It's literally at the end of a road. You can't go further than Barrow. If that shipbuilding industry is lost, there are real human consequences for that. Uh, And that little church in Barrow is an example of people living with that tension. So what do we do with these complex issues? I'm not going to give you any answers today. I'm sorry about that. I'm going to share with you some facts about warfare in the world today. Ask some questions and then very briefly think, well, what difference does our faith in Jesus make when we try to respond to them? And hopefully I won't hit the zapper too many times. I will only get one slide at a time. So the first thing to say is that this is 2005 data, but it seems not to have changed when I checked it this, year, this week. There are currently worldwide around 40 different areas of armed conflict. And of those, eight are major wars, using the United Nations definition of at least 1,000 battlefield deaths a year. So that means at least 8,000 soldiers, sailors and air personnel, mostly conscripts, every year die in war. And the continent that has the most wars is Africa. Also one of the poorest and most underloved by the outside world Continents there is. But that's an awful lot of people dying in warfare every year. And that's just the military side of it. Because during the 20th century... Oops... War changed dramatically. In World War I, which was still pretty much fought the way that wars were fought in times gone by, when you kind of agreed when you were going to start fighting and stop fighting, 19 out of 20 people who died were military personnel. It was a, a soldier war, if you like, on the whole. Civilians were quite few amongst the the dead. There was still an awful lot of them, but relatively speaking, it was a military war. By World War II, around about half of those who died were military, and just over half were civilians. There was a big switch in the impact. Things like bombing by aeroplanes made a big difference into how war was fought, and the kind of polite rules of engagement had long gone by then. Nowadays, three quarters of the people who die in war are civilians. It doesn't diminish the deaths of those in the services, but there are a lot more civilians than military people who die. So, what do we do with that? Well, if we turn to the Bible, there aren't any nice, easy answers. The writer of Ecclesiastes, if you remember that famous passage, says there is a time for war and a time for peace. There is something uncomfortable in in that, but that is what that writer says. The Old Testament includes lots of accounts of wars, usually pretty bloody, and some of which seems to have had divine approval. And amongst the prophets, we hear these contrasting calls, the two passages that Katrina read for us, the call, first of all, to turn your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears from one prophet and then another prophet saying the exact opposite. So what do we do with all that? Because whilst we sense in the Bible there is this underlying thread of peace, of God's shalom, we also see a world riddled with violence. A violence that culminates in the execution of Jesus, probably one of the most violent acts in human history. If we look to the Bible for quick-fix answers, we're not going to find them. We're not going to find them for us as individuals, and we're not going to find them for us as a church. Actually, what happens is we find we get questions that we need to ask ourselves and think about quite seriously So, very briefly, there are three stances I think that Christians and indeed many other people take pacifists, peacemakers, and peacekeepers. Pacifists are people who choose to oppose violence, they would rather go to prison or be killed themselves than fight. I think I mentioned last year that one of my uncles was a pacifist and he spent World War II locked up in prison because he refused to fight. My dad chose to go on active service, and, and as an adult, I see courage in both of those decisions. It's a costly decision to be a pacifist, and it's far from easy. I have a minister friend who had always imagined himself to be a pacifist. He, you know, he'd been on the marches and he'd said the stuff. And then when he got married and had children, he suddenly realised that actually if it came down to somebody attacking his wife and his children, he might hit them. You see, pacifism is not airy-fairy idealism it's an incredibly difficult stance to take. It's brave and it's courageous. Peacemakers may be pacifists and they may not be pacifists. They try, wherever possible, to use non-violent forms to resolve conflict. Negotiation, mediation, compromise, consultation. You actually need peacemakers in churches sometimes, don't you? Or between churches? Or in companies and between companies? Good old ACOS, the arbitration, conciliation, and whatever it was, service that we used to have between unions and employers. There is a need for people who will work to keep, to make peace. People who choose to find ways, non violent ways, of making peace. And then there are peacekeepers. We have United Nations peacekeeping forces in various parts of the world. People who are sent out to ensure that peace, whatever that might mean, is maintained. They're very often military. And what we perhaps forget in our country is that the vast majority of them are conscripts. Think of countries like America, there, are still, there is still conscription. Israel still has conscription. Lots of these countries, the people in the military, don't have a choice. They are sent. But they are sent to countries to try and keep the peace, as defined by the United Nations. And if that means using force, and if that means killing those who are deemed as insurgents, then it happens. (coughs) Jesus said to his followers... Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. So how does that fit in with ideas of pacifism and peacemaking and peacekeeping? What does it mean for the military chaplain who is the only person on the battlefield who is unarmed? And a lot of military chaplains, especially out in Afghanistan and Iraq are pretty darn close to the front line and are helping to rescue injured service personnel? What does it mean for the army paramedic who is faced with an injured enemy soldier? What does it mean for a person employed by the United Nations? Or the person who works at Faslane or Rosyth or Barrow? Or who works at BAE? Or Yard, or any of a number of other companies who are involved directly or indirectly? What does it mean for those in this church who are employed by the MOD? What does it mean for those who work in our schools and our hospitals? What does it mean for any one of us? Who are our enemies? And do we dare to love them? Because that's not an easy call. And what difference does this act of remembering actually make? Is it something we do once a year? Or does it actually affect the way we live the other 364 days of the year? Because here are some more facts. Whilst we've been here at church, most likely one military person, probably a conscript, and probably under 25 years of age will have died in armed conflict. Probably whilst we have been in church, three civilians will have died in a war zone. And many of those war zones are also places of great poverty, in the hour we are together, on average, a thousand children will die in poverty, perhaps from preventable diseases, perhaps from lack of access to clean water, and almost certainly in an area where there is conflict. Remembering the past is really important, of course it is, but its value lies not in the remembering. But in the way it transforms us here and now, and the way that that transformation affects the way we look to the future. Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called the children of God. If we perceive ourselves to be God's children, to be citizens of the kingdom of the Prince of Peace, then in whatever way we can, each one of us must work for peace.
1: Amen. I was a bit nervous when first asked to do it, being a Mennonite pacifist. So do Remembrance Sunday, but I believe we all want to intercede for peace in our world. So let us pray. Our Father, today is Remembrance Sunday, a time to remember and to reflect. We remember those who have died in wars, as John McCray said in his poem. In Flanders' fields, the poppies blow, between the crosses, row on row that mark our place, and in the sky. The larks, still bravely singing, fly, scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago, we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders fields. We pray for those who have lost loved ones in all wars, and are feeling the pain and loss of a daughter, son, father, mother, husband, or wife, whether in the field or just going about their daily lives. A remembrance day is also a time to reflect. God's ideal was for all to live in unity and peace. But greed, power, natural resources, and hatred for those different to us have led to violence. And violence begets violence Our newspapers are full of it every day Help us, Lord, to love and not hate Greater love has no one than this To lay down your life for your neighbor Jesus has left us his example That we should follow in his steps For Christ is our peace Who demolished all divisions and made us one new family United by his one spirit in the bond of peace We proclaim that our allegiance to the name of Christ is higher and stronger than any other loyalty. Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. Christ, let your word dwell in us richly, that we might teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Grant us courage to make peace among ourselves, remembering that you ask us to leave even our acts of worship, so that we might be reconciled to each other. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Lord, fill us with the love that flows from your heart, that we might be agents of reconciliation in a broken world, ambassadors of the Prince of Peace in all our ways. Give us the patience to wait on your judgments rather than taking vengeance ourselves. Give us the strength to yield, returning evil with good, and trusting in the power of your love rather than in our love of power. Jesus warned that in the last days there would be wars and rumors of wars. Lord, strengthen your children to be a sign to the world that one day you will bring an end to all war. Nations will beat their swords into plowshares. Weapons of war will become tools of peace. And the tree of life will be given for the healing of the nations. But while we wait for that day, free our hearts and our mouths to bless and pray for those who persecute us. Help us to live as people of peace and deliver us from the time of testing. Amen.
0: Lead us from death to life, from falsehood to truth. Lead us from despair to hope. From fear to trust, lead us from hatred to love, from war to peace. Let peace fill our hearts, let peace fill our world, let peace fill our universe. Amen.